No matter what part of the country you look at, there have been serious problems with water since the start of this year. From flooding in the South Island... Hundreds of people in Southland towns, not just Matoda, have been forced to leave their homes following civil defence evacuation orders. To ageing infrastructure in the capital... Wellington's water system has been labelled in crisis and needing a fundamental overhaul. To extreme droughts in the northern parts of the country... The far north is parched and desperate for water. Kaikoui is scraping the barrel of the town water supply. The uh, situation is dire and uh, we're as dry as we've been for many, many a year. So dire, in fact, that water thieves have struck, in this case at Tenopai School near Ruawai. Both tanks were emptied. We could not believe it. So we started, unfortunately, thinking, has our water been stolen? And um, we just came to the conclusion that there could be no other answer. In Auckland, as the lack of rain begins to get alarming, warning bells are being rung about what happens if we also get a dry autumn. This year, the city has broken the record for the longest period of time without rainfall. Now, conservation is key. I'm Jessie Chang, and today on The Detail, how much water do we have left and what's being done to shore up our infrastructure to make sure Auckland taps don't run dry. The sun is out in full force as I cast off with the team from Watercare. We are on a boat right now, not where most people would expect a boat to be. Can you tell me about where we are and a bit about this place? Right now we're on the lower Niotipu Dam. Uh, it's one of five dams in the Waitakere Ranges which supply metropolitan Auckland with water. This dam was built in 1944. I'm here to look at how the water levels are doing in our dams with the man in charge of them, Joseph Chaliner-Warman. And it's not looking good. At the moment, the, the water storage or the lake is 67% full. Um, and... Compared to this time last year, we were at 94% full here. So it's a massive reduction in the, the volume of water that we've got within this lake. And how concerning is that? Yeah, I suppose the, the lake level or the current lake level is of some concern, but I suppose it's influenced by a number of factors, one being rainfall and the dry weather that we're having, and the second is the demand for water within Auckland City. Rainfall out here... Year to date, we've had about 20 mils of rain within these catchments. Normally, we'd be expecting 150 mils up until this point. Um, and the demand in, in Auckland has been significantly higher than we've seen before. I think we've had three record days in the last two weeks with up to 560 million litres of water being, being used and consumed. So with the dry weather and the increased demand, we're seeing that reflected in our, our water storage. Um, if it continues with the dry weather and these high demands, we will be looking at um, a massive reduction in total system storage. And, you know, some of those figures that you mentioned, you know, 94% compared to 67% this year at the same time. I mean, that's a massive difference. It is. It is massive. But what's important to remember is that Auckland has a number of water sources which feed into the metropolitan system. So we have five dams in the Waitakere's four in Hanua and also river and aquifer sources. So while these lakes are 
uh, dropping down, we do have supplementary sources to make sure we meet that demand. Um, the total system storage at this stage, so that's across all our dams, is 68%. At um, this point last year, it was around 85%. Last year, during July and August, we did come up in, in a bit of a pickle with not enough water as well. Aucklanders are being asked again to conserve water after a record dry start to the year and a negative outlook for the rest of it. Although you may feel like we've had a lot of rain, if you actually think about the type of rain we've been receiving, it's just been a lot of high-intensity showers, but not that long kind of week or five days of continuous rainfall that we would normally expect to recharge. August isn't expected to be particularly wet, and then it's spring and summer, both of which will probably be drier than normal. Does that look like it's going to be likely this year as well? And if so, does it make what is happening now more concerning? I suppose it's hard to predict. We are tracking long-term forecasting in a lot of detail um, and it really depends on when the rain arrives and how much arrives. Um, as a comparison, at July last year, this lake that we're sitting on now was only 52% full and yet we're at 67% now. Um, so I suppose in, in isolation... It is a little bit concerning, but there's so many different factors which can influence how much water Auckland's using and how much supply we, we have available, how much stored water. And I think a really important process moving forward now is a public education piece around how important water is as a resource, that there is a finite amount, and behaviours around water usage and conservation need to be pushed into the, the general public and people can you know, just make little changes around how they use water, how they view water, and that'll have a massive impact on um, our existing supply infrastructure, our existing storage capacity, and then how long we can sustain this into the future. And that's going to get more important as the number of Aucklanders grows. Mark Bourne is the Head of Infrastructure Servicing and Consents at Watercare, I ask him just how many people they supply water to. It's about 1.6 million people. So if you put that in New Zealand's context, it's a large percentage of New Zealand's population. And how much is that projected to grow over the next few years? Yeah, over the next 35 years, Auckland's projected to grow over 2 million people. So, so you know, the growth in Auckland is is real, it has been happening and is predicted to continue to happen. I think what we've seen in the last uh, few years, though, is somewhat of a surge. It's not only people that are growing, it's also the businesses that support all those people. And Auckland is a large manufacturing base for the rest of New Zealand. So if we think about the food industry or the brewing industry and, and associated industries, much of that is uh, manufactured in Auckland and then you know, exported and consumed around New Zealand. So you know, Auckland's water supply is actually supplying you know, the rest of New Zealand indirectly through what they consume, whether it be food or, or drink. And how is water kept preparing for that growth? Yeah, so, so the highlight is over the next 20 years, there's $10.8 billion worth of investment planned in water and wastewater services. So then we sort of break that down between water and wastewater. There's $4.8 billion over 20 years in water and $6 billion in wastewater over that 20-year period. We've got some very, very large projects. Um, one, of the, one of the very important ones will be uh, uh, expanding our existing 
existing uh, Waikato water treatment plant. It's going to double in size and that's planned to occur in the late 2020s. Since 2002, the Waikato River has provided about 17% of Auckland's water, depending on factors like the weather. It was initially an emergency measure brought in after an earlier drought. We also have a very large uh, project happening in West Auckland where we have the uh, existing Huia water treatment plant. It's almost 100 years old and that will be replaced. And in fact, we've got a public hearing to consider our application around that project. But in addition to those very, very large projects, there's a, a myriad number of smaller projects spread right through the region, whether it be in the far nor- northern part of our area in, in uh, Tahana and improving the water network there, or it could be a, a, a new pump station and reservoir in our more southern parts of our district um, across at uh, Wauku and Clark's Beach. So we, we work right the way around the, around the Auckland region, making sure that those services are available 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Hundreds of West Aucklanders have joined a protest over plans to build a replacement water treatment plant in Titarangi. Rather than bulldoze four hectares of native bush, they want water care to build on the existing site. Lucy Warhurst reports. Save our trees. Save our trees. Titarangi locals came out in droves to make their voices heard. They say destroying four hectares of native bush for another water treatment plant is unacceptable. So this street's called Woodlands Park Road because it is so wooded. That's basically the essential character of this street. It's the gateway to the Waitakere Ranges. We need to take care of the trees. They were here before us. It's a very valuable ecosystem. We've already got a water plant. We don't need it to be bigger. And just looking specifically at the um, Huia water treatment plant. Mm. Um, I know there has been strong opposition Mm. from locals um, against that. There was um, a a large number of uh, of submissions and and the vast majority, almost all of them, had raised concerns about the project. And those concerns were covering sort of three main areas, the first being the effects on um, the ecology and wildlife and, and, the, and the trees in particular, uh, concerns around traffic and noise, and and then the concerns of what the plant was going to do to, to that community. Watercare has worked uh, very closely with the, uh, the community as best we could to try and alleviate those concerns. And through the discussions we've had with a, a community liaison group that was established, we've been able to change the design and layout of the plant, which has seen a huge um, improvement or, or, or reduction in potential impact from how we'd first envisaged the plant being laid out. And so just to clarify, how much bush would be taken yeah. away? So, so the, the total area of the site is some 3.9 hectares and about 3.5 hectares of that has uh, um, bush in varying degrees from you know, what would one would consider to be a, a low-grade area and that low-grade area might be more weeds than, than native trees right the way through to areas of, of that, that has a, a much more higher value. One of the things we've been working very closely with both the community liaison group and our own independent experts is avoiding the uh, areas of bush that are identified as having high value. So we've changed the layout of both the water treatment plant and the proposed associated treated water reservoirs that go with the, with the facility. And perhaps for us the breakthrough moment was the ability to separate is two quite large treated water reservoirs that need to be constructed in close proximity to the water treatment plant. And what we've been able to do is separate 
physically the location of those two uh, treated water reservoirs and the timing of construction. So what that means is one of them would need to be built at the same time that we build uh, the water treatment plant so it can be successfully commissioned, operated and put into service. And then the second one, we can delay that and build it once we uh, decommission the existing water treatment plant and remove the infrastructure around uh, a heritage building and we can actually place that on the existing water treatment plant land. So that that significantly reduced the areas uh, that would be affected as a construction. But we've still identified that there is going to be you know, a significant uh, effect as a result of that. So what we're proposing to do to mitigate that is a range of, of parameters. And that's really what the subject of the hearing is going to be about, is for our, our experts to identify um, what the project is, what its projects need, and then how we're proposing to mitigate the adverse effects, and then for the submitters to have uh, put their views, and then the uh, commissioners will have to make a decision and determine uh, uh, how best uh, the project should proceed if indeed it, it is uh, approved. If it's not approved, mm. what does that mean yeah. for Watercare? Uh, we're very confident in um, the selection and the process by which we've undertaken. We firmly believe that the location that we've selected is the optimum location. We looked at over 120 alternate locations in, in the study. The study's been going for five years now, and uh, the location that we've selected is land owned by Watercare and our predecessors, and um, the land's been designated specifically for water supply purposes since 1973. The, the Huia Water Treatment Plant um, treats water to drinking water standards from four dams in the Hunua Range, sorry, in the Waitakere Ranges. And um, that treatment plant supplies about 20% of uh, metropolitan Auckland's water needs. So it's about 300,000 people's worth of water that's produced each day, uh, seven days a week, and so we're totally reliant on that on that water. The treatment plant was first opened in 1929, and literally it's you know, almost 100 years old, and, and it's at the end of its economic operating life. So we um, have um, a large area of land that we'd set aside you know, many years ago for the purposes of replacing um, that plant, and uh, we have applied for resource consents to enable that work. And so yeah, it's a really important part of uh, Auckland's infrastructure landscape. But does that infrastructure landscape cater for those living on the outskirts of Auckland? Desperate and stressful. That's how water companies in Auckland are describing severe shortages crippling some families on tank supplies. There are a limited number of refill pumps for water companies in the region where trucks are facing long waits to fill up. Earlier today, Auckland Council opened on-tap contingency water supplies in Helensville, Wellsford, Oriwa and Te Puru. Watercare has always provided um, a filling point for uh, water tankers to obtain water from you know, the watercare system and then that water is then trucked to those uh, communities that, uh, or individual uh, people that are reliant on 
tanked water. And uh, over this summer, we've seen the demand increase for those tanker supplies you know, to, to levels we've not experienced in the past. So we have, across the region, 11 tanker filling stations, and those uh, tanker filling stations are, are operating you know, 24 hours a day. And in some of them, the demand is so high, there's a, a, literally a, a queue of several tankers waiting in line to uh, obtain water from those filling stations. So we've um, worked very closely with uh, the tanker filling operators to make sure that they have availability uh, where they need it and when they need it. But we've certainly seen record sales uh, to that area this summer. Over the last month, something in the order of about 200 million litres of of, water has been uh, provided for the rural community or the, the community that's reliant on tank water. What would that number normally be? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, uh, um, about double, about double. double. Yeah, right. yeah, it's in that order. Yeah. yeah, significantly more than normal. And how many rural communities that are around Auckland and could join on to the the main water yeah. um, system if they wanted to, but aren't? In total, there's about fifty thousand uh, people that are on on a private supply. In those areas, it's probably in the ten to fifteen thousand mark that would be uh, have availability of of water supply. It'd be in that order. And how much would it cost them to get onto the main yeah. water supply? So, so um, there, there, there's a connection fee which involves the cost of installing the meter, so the physical connection, and that's you know, it's not a not an awful lot of money. It's about five hundred dollars. But the main uh, part is there's a, a a charge that we charge all new people joining the system, which covers the cost of growth. So, so Watercare's income to pay for our existing services and all of our future services that we need to provide for for growth only comes from two two sources, it, or three in really. It, it comes from borrowings, it comes from our user charges, how much we charge per cubic metre of water, or from a growth charge. So uh, um, we're, what we're trying to uh, provide is that the people that cause growth to occur pay a contribution towards the cost of that growth. So there's a fee to join the water and wastewater system. And um, it's around $10,000 for the cost to join on the water side of the business. There's a different fee on the wastewater side as well. So that's for the main metropolitan part of Auckland. Right. I've heard figures, though, that it could be up to $30,000. It depends on the community and where you where, where the connection's made, and that reflects the different cost of services in those areas. The Auditor-General John Ryan recently released a report criticising the way New Zealand as a whole manages water, and he didn't hold back. The report by the Office of the Auditor-General looks at how public organisations are managing water resources and delivering water-related services. It finds no clear vision across local and central government and no clarity about what the main issues even are. The report finds issues with clear strategy, coherent work programmes, robust systems, resourcing, planning and risk management. What was your initial thought um, to that report? 
there was an interesting report that was released. Uh, um, you know, once again, I think um, Watercare is in a, in a fairly um, lucky position in that we've, uh, for many decades now, you know, we're in our, our third decade of producing and publishing an asset management plan. Whilst the asset management plan, I guess, is the public face of what our investment uh, portfolio looks like, and it publishes 20 years of investment requirements and provides the community with a degree of certainty as to what we're doing, when we're doing it, and how we're doing it, that's not the only planning that we do. When we are uh, building up the asset management plan, we're actually looking out 100 years into the future. So so I think some of the um, uh, observations that were made in that report are clearly uh, uh, reflective of the industry as a whole, but um, they're perhaps not reflective of uh, the situation that Watercare's in. That's the detail today. I'm Jessie Chang. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Joseph Challoner-Warman and Mark Bourne. Kaketa anō. Kaketa anō.